0: Before we start, we have a first-time visitor here with us tonight. I'd like to introduce to you Joe Boyden. Is that right? Just raise your hand. We're glad you're here tonight, and I pray the service be a blessing to your heart. And uh, make sure to make him feel welcome, amen? Peep. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having him come. Amen. Uh, I'm going to try not to... I don't like preachers who preach on hobby horses. Okay, you know, it's that they get off on something. But I'm, I'm frustrated this week because I'm tired of the way the world's taking things. And in many countries, I know when I talked with Brother Jeff, he was talking about... Uh, the only thing that's keeping them from passing certain hate speech laws and prison sentences for those who witness or preach against sin in New Zealand is that the government fumbled the, the job so badly in handling COVID that the people are upset with them, so it's holding up some of the bills they were trying to put through. Because When you say we're living in a woke culture, that means the people who want to make it all about themselves are the ones who are controlling things. This is from the National Institutes of Health. It was mailed, or it was put in our mailbox, because they had to deliver it. Some of you may have gotten it. And it's the HEAL Initiative. End stigma for people with substance use disorders. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on anybody who has an addiction or a problem. Okay, That's not what I'm doing, but you can't... St- <laughs> I deal with enough people who have drug problems. This is not how they speak about themselves. All right, It says, this is put out because it's, it's needed because we may offend somebody. Instead of using the word addict, user, substance, or drug abuser, or junkie, you need to say a person with a substance use disorder. person with an opioid use disorder, a person with opioid addiction. And I, I know this, I've talked with my son, Michael. He said he's retired, 20 years in the, medical, in the military. You know, a, a clinic supervisor, and he had to do drug abuse counseling, and he couldn't use the term abuse. And he goes, Dad, I know all the terms, because they, they forced it into the, the military's st- Treatment of people with medical issues. You can't say, instead of saying a former addict or a reformed addict, you must say a person in recovery or a long-term recovery person who has previously used drugs. You can't say that the, I've had you deal with somebody and they say, yeah, I'm dirty. Right? Their words, yeah, I'm dirty. You can't use the word dirty or failing a drug test. You must say testing positive on a drug screen. You can't use the word if you know. I, I, person, I've dealt with this last week. He told me, Pastor, I've been clean for three years. Clean, right? His words. He says you can't use the word clean. You must say being in remission or recovery. That they're abstinent from drugs. Or testing or testing negative. You can't say it's a habit. You got to say it's a substance use disorder. You can't say oh, abuse. You shouldn't say abuse. You must say use or misuse of prescription medications used other than prescribed or use of illicit drugs. You're not supposed to say opioid substitution replacement therapy or medicated assisted treatment. That's MAT, an acronym. You have to say medication for opioid opioid use disorder. Other words, mold. (laughs) M-O-U-D. Medication for substance use disorder. You can't say that that's an addicted baby because her mother was using when she was pregnant. You've got to say baby born to a parent who used drugs while pregnant. And it's also because you don't want them to feel badly about the circumstance or the situation. You know what the key to repentance is? Recognition. Godly remorse. Restoration. Endeavoring not to repeat. I'm giving you four R's. I'm not, you know, we have people in this church who struggle with different things. We have an addiction program. We try to minister to them. But, you know, you can't use words anymore because someone finds them offensive. And I'm going to tell you why this is. is because America's starting to worship the female god, Gaia. Because females are ones who are more worried about hurting somebody's feelings with the words you use. Okay, you're always trying to protect your little one. You know, and that's why you don't, sometimes I've had cringes when I said, it's not your fault they're little brats. It's your fault they're little brats. It's not their fault. Okay, you want an acronym for brat? Give me time, I'll make one up for you. Okay. But I want you to open your Bibles now to Matthew, and the title of this message, along with what I just said, is TAKE. It's T-A-K-E, TAKE. All right? I want you to see something. I'm going to read some of the things that are taking place, just natural things people have said to me. Okay, you ready? I just need to do what makes me happy. It's my body I'll do with what I I think is best for me. That's important at this time. A certain party in the United States of America is getting ready to take a a bath at the next election because of ill performance in leadership. See, I'm trying to say this without using bad language. okay? And so what do they do? They're ginning up anger over a decision that should have been made years ago by the Supreme Court and put the handling of abortion services back at the state level. They knew, Ruth Bader Ginsburg knew, and she went to the Supreme Court, that the law passed. Okay, and what's the name of the law? Roe v. Wade decision was a bad one and would be overturned eventually because it wasn't done properly. She's supposed to be one of the foremost legal minds the country's ever had in that position. She, was, she had a legal mind. Okay, so now that it's making a big issue, hoping that they can turn things around. If believers would be the salt and light that we're supposed to be, this would not be an issue. It's my body; I'll do what I think is best for me. They asked one of the leading heads, pushing for this over to making sure Roe v. v Wade is protected, and they asked them, "At what point is it wrong for a woman to declare?" That is her body, and that a baby could be um, killed. Yes. They're saying, <coughs> even when it's partway out of the birth canal, and in some areas, they've said, deliver the child and then kill it. And they ask, when is, it, when is it, when is it, and the woman wouldn't give an answer. I believe that's up to the personal choice. And the, the senator dealing with her got upset and said, uh, should they kill one-year-olds? What's the difference between a one-year-old and one in the womb? See, so it's my body. I'll do what I think is best for me. See? Yeah. And if you say something against that, what happens to you? The sanctity of life, the greatest gift that God has given anybody, is life. Okay? You can't have eternal life without life. The only thing I can tell you is those poor unborn children God takes care of. You want to talk to me about that? You can later on. Okay? You've offended me, now I, will, I want punishment on you so I can feel better about me. Now, that's not been said to me directly, but that's been said. It's, that's the actions. okay? And then you have other ones who say, if I can bring up enough stuff from your past, I can justify my, my actions or reactions and feel better about me. Hmm? How about I want, I need, I deserve. The first one I heard a little kid say in Walmart earlier this week. Mommy, I want, I want, I want. A little bit farther in the same thing, in Walmart I heard a little child say, I need, I need. They needed that candy bar. Had a woman look at the, the daughter who was getting, the daughter, she was like a seven-year-old, had this big stuffed animal out of that big bin at Walmart. and was taking the animal and hitting her mother with it. Saying, buy for me. And the mother says, why do you think you should get Something new every time you come into the store. Because I need it. Okay? It's not a problem with the child. It's a problem with the parents. Say, are you going to preach? I told you, I don't want hobby horses in this church. And to this, God says this. Matthew chapter 6, and maybe you'll see where we're going. I won't finish this message tonight. I know that already. Matthew chapter 6, but maybe I'll be calmed down. You say, she can say that, because you know what today is for Judy and I? Our 48th wedding anniversary. Amen. How that woman ever put up with me for 48 years, I don't know. She does want me to calm down. Okay. Okay. The tragedy that my wife asked prayer for in Texas happened by an 18-year-old young male. He wasn't confused about his gender, but shown problems of mental illness to the point before he went and shot up those children, he shot his grandmother. He planned on this. He went in there with firearms and body armor. And how many of you ever have heard that uh, certain members of our politic general in Washington want to do away with Border Patrol? It was a Border Patrol agent who shot and killed that man before he could kill more than the 21 he did kill. And now you know what's happening? How can I take advantage and make me look better? And that's what you're seeing in the news. So, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. See, it's not about you. It is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. Nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not better, much better than they? Not when you don't think they're people. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? It's not saying that you shouldn't seek food and raiment and shelter. It's saying it shouldn't be something that it interferes with, like Philippians four six. be careful for nothing, don't be full of care over it. If you want the rest of that passage, it's Philippians 4, 6-8. Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of what? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And some people are worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about tomorrow. If I wake up, amen, another day to live in the beauty and the merciful grace of my wife with me. I'm not easy to live with. You think I'm all sweet and gentle. Not, okay. The Lord's given me a new day. If I'm not, absent from the body, with present with the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, for me to be, basically to be here, is needful for you, but to depart is far better. Okay, so I want you to see, you know, people are thinking, they want to take. You know, it's like, if I have a need, it's okay. I've never understood that. I wasn't raised that way. I had a very giving mother. I had a sometimes selfish father, but I had a very giving mother. I mean, how many of you grew up in a home where at times you fed over 20 people in your neighborhood, plus a family of eight children? We used to take dinners to people all the time, poor people around us. Take a hot plate full of food. And my mother made sure we thought it was a privilege to do so. So she was a giving one. My dad could take, you know, because he'd take me to the store and we'd get candy bars. All right. And he'd say, don't tell your mother. I understand that. But I want you to see, people are always thinking about what they can get, what they can take. So I decided, I look at this and I'm saying, okay, what does God say he wants us to take? Instead of me taking from you, what does he want me to take? The most important thing I want you to see, I want you to turn to Psalm 116. We're going to start here. We're going to look at, for the next two weeks at least, maybe three, on a Wednesday night or whenever I get to preach the Wednesday night service because that changes because we surrender them at different times, give people opportunities to preach. I'm not, I haven't got the schedule in my head. Okay. The first thing I want you to see, we're going to read Psalm 116, starting at verse 1. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. You know what the psalmist is saying there? He loves him because he knows God hears his prayers. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. You know, when people get discouraged, they look around and they see what's going on with the world taking and stuff, they they don't believe God hears them. Never judge your actions by the circumstances the world puts you under. Judge your actions by what God has told you. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord, O Lord. I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. So many of the religions of the world don't teach that God's a merciful God. Been to India five times. I guarantee you the gods they worship are not merciful. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. That's how I know God will help me. He preserveth the simple. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I have spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? The first thing God wants you to take? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. The cup of salvation. The most important need. You lose sight of that. And you know what the devil wants Christians to do? To lose sight of that being the most important thing God wants people to take. So we get caught up in so many of the circumstances and the situations, the material things of this world. Take no thought for tomorrow. Take no thought about your food and your raiment and where you lie your head. Don't let it eat you up. Because you know what people need to do? They need to take the cup of salvation. All eternity based on it. The most important decision... It's not who you marry. It's not having a child. It's not where you live. It's not the job you have. Secularly, it's what have you done with Jesus? You know what he says? Take the cup of salvation. He's offering it freely. For by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Take the cup of salvation. It's the most important need you will ever have. It is the most important fulfillment of a need you will ever see. You know, when Christians start getting backslidden and resentful and having problems, when they lose sight of the greatness of what God has given them. So take the cup. I won't tarry too long there. That's a whole message in itself. Let's go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. If you've taken the cup of salvation, now God wants you to take something else. You ready? You probably know where I'm going, don't you? Look at verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. When you take Jesus' yoke, he says you're going to have rest unto your souls. It's going to be different for you. You know what peace is? Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is contentment going through them. Great peace have they that love thy law, nothing shall offend them. I will lay my head down in peace peace and sleep. My peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. In what? The peace of God which passes all understanding. shall so keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You want peace? Take, up his, take his yoke. What is that? What is Jesus' yoke? Go to John. Chapter six. Do you know when eternity passed, and the only reason I can say that, because eternity has no time. Okay. But right now, because we are finite beings in the physical body we are in, we don't understand that if you're saved, you're also an eternal being. Because you got eternal life from Jesus Christ. Eternal life has no beginning and has no end. Jesus Christ isn't a created. I don't care what one religion or another says. He's eternal. He's the great I am. But before the fall of Lucifer, before the garden, the Godhead decided Jesus would take on the form of man. God manifest in the flesh. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. Servant. Take my yoke and learn of me. John chapter 6. Let me see here. Verse 38. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that and this is the father's will which hath sent me that of all which he hath given me i should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day and this is the will of him that sent me that every one that seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and i will raise him up at that last day jesus said and if i if i be lifted up i will draw the elect no all men unto me he'll draw all men his yoke is to be presented so he fulfills the father's will jesus says take up my yoke take up my yoke we're going to get to the cross take up my yoke i beseech you therefore brethren romans 12 1 and 2 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a sacrificed to who? To God. The way you live. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You're saved to serve. That's what Jesus' yoke is. Saved to serve. It's service which is your reasonable, reasonable service. And be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I promised somebody this past week that if they would start spending time in God's Word, it could heal their mind. I've seen it done again and again and again and again. Sometimes it doesn't remove the quirks, but I think that's part of your personality. Okay. See, I want you to know I'm normal, you're not. <laughs> In my world I'm normal. Doesn't remove the quirks, but he can remove the insanity we see around this world. Amen? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So take the cup, take my yoke, and we'll stop with the next one when I do, even though I have more. (laughs) because I don't want to keep you until 9. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 verse 21. And from that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go unto Jerusalem and what? Suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took Him and began to rebuke Him, saying, Be it far from Thee, Lord, this shall not be unto Thee. You know what he's saying? Not while I'm living, God, Lord, not while I'm living. It's not going to happen to You. But he turned, that's Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Do we struggle with that? Things that be of men? Isn't that amazing? Verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know what God says you should do? Take the cup of salvation, take his yoke, and take up the cross. Take up the cross. You're carrying his burden. He carried it for me. See, I'm saved for all eternity. Uh, Shannon Shelton sent me a, a YouTube video site dealing with uh, people who got saved out of uh, the Amish in Missouri. And I watched that thing, and it, and the Amish are unique people. You know, they think they're right with God. They think they're right because of they try to do the right things. They try to deny the world. But they're not trusting in the only one who can save them. And there was this major group of them that got saved and then getting right doctrine by going to a a little Bible believing Baptist church out there and the whole thing was on the transformation of what happened in Amish family after Amish family after Amish family being persecuted when they left shunned losing your parents losing your brother losing your sister losing your nieces and nephews losing your grandparents They were shunned. But they knew what God had saved them from and they continued to reach and many of those other ones came to Christ because of that. And I'm not trying to pick on the Amish. There's enough wrong with us Baptists. Amen? But it says take up the cross. It's what the cross is, what Jesus was willing to suffer for you and me. You know, so many times... The bad thing that happens amongst Christians is when they see another person suffering, they automatically go to the same thing that eventually Job's friends went to. What did you do wrong? That God would do this to you. I'm here to tell you, suffering comes into everyone's life at some point. Sometimes you suffer for your sin. Deservedly so. If you're lost, you suffer in this life, and then you suffer for an eternity in the devil's hell in the lake of fire. If you're saved, you suffer for your sin, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. But sometimes you suffer because you took up Jesus' cross, because you stood with him, you identified with him, you witnessed to others, and you're going to suffer. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. I don't want you to think that it's abnormal. I want you also, when you see someone else going through it, let them know how you could, ask them how you want them, how they want you to pray for them, or what you can do to help them. Don't automatically think like the world. Amen? I have a hard enough problem keeping me straight. Not my job to run around trying to keep everyone else straight. I had someone ask, what happens in your church? And I said, I don't go into people's homes and police them. When something comes to public, it becomes the light, because guess what? Be sure your sin will find you out. Then I have to deal with it as the pastor of this church. And there's been people disciplined. There's been people repented and people restored before. Because that's what discipline is for. It's not to drive them off. It's to get them right. But I don't police that. And I don't necessarily look at what someone's going through and think of, well, what did they do wrong to have that happen? I just start praying for them. Praying for them. Because you know what happens? And There's a verse that tells you um, in First in Peter 4. I'm not, that's not the one I'm going to read primarily. We're going to go to verse 12. But it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. See, the yoke is to fulfill God's will. The cross is the suffering that comes when you suffer for Jesus' sake. First Peter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you but rejoice. And how we <laughs> I can see that and I want to be spiritual. But I always look at that and say, yep. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I say this from a standpoint. I was just doing something around the house to please my wife. We're trying to get rid of the mosquitoes and so we, we had these special things sent to us that tries to draw the mosquitoes away from your house and we measure you've got to keep them at least 80 feet from where you are because where they are it draws the mosquitoes and kills them so you don't want it near where you're going to be because then you become Mosquito dinner, right? So I'm out and I'm putting them along the stone wall and I have to put them on a tree limb six feet above the ground and you have to put hot water in It sets the stuff off and you're doing this. And I put the first one out and that's fine and then Judy hands me the second one and I walk down the stone wall and I go to put it on the tree limb. I had to snap a part of a limb off to get this thing on. When I did, I stepped wrong, even with my brace on, and my knee gave out. And I stumbled and my back twisted. And I stood up and it was... Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Lord, I know that in me, that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So you're going to make my flesh understand this. And we did what we had to do, and then I was at the chiropractor today, a non-normal visit. Okay? You know what it is? That's not suffering for Jesus. No. That happens to lost people too, doesn't it? Take up the cross. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Rejoice. Happy. For the spirit of glory in God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is what? That's what the cross is about. God's glory. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a, as I mentioned earlier, a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not? That obey not the gospel of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, what shall the ungodly and... Excuse me. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God. See it? Commit the keeping of their souls to him how and well doing is unto a faithful creator. And with that all God's people said, Amen. We will continue next week with the first one will be take away the stone. That's stumbling blocks. And then sufficiency, supplication, seeking, sacrifice, and separation. There's all things that we're supposed to take, and God wants us to. Good night, and God bless.